Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I'm your host, Woodzik. This is episode 111 with Karen Christian, who has just released the fantastic children's book, Astrid's Dragon. So we're going to first talk with Karen, one-on-one, a little bit of author, shop talk, and then the rest of the episode is actually an audiobook, my first full-length audiobook narration of Astrid's Dragon, which is just, it's such a fantastic feminist piece and a piece that's really lovely about acceptance and realizing that others may not be what you expect and opening your heart to them. So if you're looking for something to do with your kids for Halloween, hey, we've got you covered. Theatrical Mustang Podcast, now doing audiobooks. This episode is sponsored by Max Cole Takanikos, illustrator and graphic designer. If you need anything done, you know, logo, poster, wise, please hire Max. You are going to get a high quality, unique piece of artwork, and he's amazing. So go do that. Please enjoy episode 111 with Karen Christian. Welcome an old friend from college to the podcast. Karen Christian is here talking about her new children's book. Welcome, Karen. Oh, thank you so much, Wizzik, for having me. I am beyond excited to be here. Yay! So this book just came out this week. It's called Astrid's Dragon, parentheses, Princess Astrid, parentheses, volume one. Tell me about how this idea first came to you. Well, I was reading, it is a early chapter book, and I was reading chapter books to my five-year-old, who's just at that point where she's ready to go beyond um, picture books, and, and, you know, it actually has attention span for chapter books, and I was so frustrated with what I was finding. I wasn't finding things that were capturing her interest, and it was just hard. The selection was so slim that I kind of compiled some of my daughter's favorite things, which include princesses and dragons, (laughs) and I put together a story for her, and now I, um, you know, I obviously edited it and made it, you know, a bit nicer than when I first read it to her, and I'm putting it out for other people to read, so yeah, I'm excited to put Astrid's Dragon out there for everyone. That's amazing. I love this tagline, Astrid isn't the type of princess who gets captured by dragons. So, like, maybe a little Khaleesi in the making? I don't know. Game of Thrones reference? <laughs> well, I actually have not seen very much of Game of Thrones. Please don't hate me for that. <laughs> I, I haven't either, but I know that Khaleesi is the mother of dragons, so that, that'll that let me tag Game of Thrones when we uh, push this out to the world. <laughs> uh, I'll have to, I have to get, up my, get up on my Game of Thrones references if, if, that's, uh, if that's something relevant here. <laughs> Yeah. But it was it important was one of the motivations for you having strong presenting your daughter with a strong female character with a sense of advocacy? Definitely. You know, I think I think there's a push now to show princesses as, you know, stronger than your traditional Disney princess. So I wanted to capture that for sure. You know, Astrid isn't the type of princess who just, oh, has to get captured and needs someone 
I'm going to save her. So her interaction is going to be different when she gets captured by this dragon. Um, and then a second motivating theme for me is um, as a parent of multiple children, I get irritated when I read children's stories where the, the siblings do nothing but fight. So I also was trying to write a story where she has a good sibling relationship with her brother, where, you know, they, they have some bantering, but it's a positive relationship. So those are two things that I definitely wanted to hit on, like the strong, um, you know, the strong female that isn't a pushover, and then also that good sibling relationship, yeah, shows through an absence dragon. That's amazing. You're already getting raved reviews. I'm just going to pull this one from the Amazon page. As far as princesses, dragons, children, and fun go, this book was just about perfect. The story flows naturally in a bubbling stream of tension, banter, surprises, letdowns, and all-around charm until the world gains a reality hard to achieve in such a short book. And that's from readers' favorite. So already some great buzz around this book. Yeah, it's exciting to see, you know, you put yourself out there and you kind of hope that people will like it and it just fills you with good feelings when you get some good reviews. So I think, I think it'll be um, a book that a lot, of, a lot of children and hopefully parents too will be able to enjoy. Excellent. Can you talk a little bit about your writing process? How long did it take you from the inception of the idea to making the Amazon page live? Uh, okay, so I wrote this book, I finished it, like, with the cover done and edited and formatted four months ago, and then I sent it out for review, like, to the, um, to get the review, for example, that you just read, um, <laughs> it takes several months for people to actually, you know, respond and get those reviews, and then I started writing it, obviously, before that, and I had to find the illustrator, so I would say it took over six months to get to this point. Um, it was, it wasn't too long to write the book because I was excited and I was motivated, and every morning when my daughter woke up, she would ask me, do you have more to read to me? So <gasps> the writing process, she pushed me along. It didn't take... Oh my gosh! Yeah, that didn't take more than a month, but the actual, like, editing and, and getting people to review it and getting the illustrator on board, that took several months, so it's been, it's been a process. Yeah. yeah, tell me more about the illustrator. How did you, how did you find them, and what was the collaboration process like? Um, the illustrator has been great to work with, so Marie Morawski is the illustrator, and she has this beautiful... Um, unique way of illustrating that I love um, and I was so excited to find her. I found her online and we I haven't met her in person but we've been collaborating. She's a she does this freelance art artwork so she um, she had a fee and I, I paid her and I explained what pictures I wanted and I gave her excerpts from the book to kind of describe what was going on and she she took it and she made it she made it great. I love her illustrations so been really pleased with her yeah i know that podcast is an audio medium but just looking at the cover like it's it's gorgeous i mean i don't it's 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 in a style unlike the unlike one that i've seen before i mean it reminds me a little bit of edward gory or hans christian anderson a little bit but it's very much uh, i would say very original uh, illustration style good I'm, I'm glad you like it i have to admit my i i have 
very bad eyes for artistic. I mean, I can see when I like it, but I have no like <laughs> personal skills of drawing or anything. So I had to bring. I brought my husband on. He was my final, um, my my final voice and call and which illustrator we were going to go with because I had a, a couple that I was looking at. And he, so I, I would give props to him because he actually found this lady, Marie Moravsky, and she's great. So. Oh, right on. So if folks want to. We're not going to say if. When folks are ready to read this book, <laughs> uh, we're going to link to the Amazon page in the episode description. And uh, it's, I mean, if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can download it. Uh, you can download it to rent for free, and then it would be only 99 cents to buy. If you want that hard copy paperback, which of course you do, because that's part of the joy of reading to kids, right? Is having them being able to touch the pages and whatnot. It's only 7.99, and there are more books coming in the series, right? Yeah, definitely. I actually, I'm, I'm working on book three right now. So book two is written, and it's just waiting to be, you know, formatted and it's so exciting I know I know a children's book author I'm very excited and I'm uh I I might want to talk to you about uh, adapting this into a children's theater piece because I think it's pretty rad um so more more later more later let's entice the podcast listeners uh before before you go um can you just give a little bit of uh, advice to folks who might have an idea for a children's book and and want to put it out into the world yeah, um, I would love to. And before I do that, I'm going to say one more thing, too, which is that you can see this book on on Amazon, like you said. I also have a website where there's a, a free store you can download, too. Um, it's at karenjchristian.com. So I'll if you want to that. Free yeah. read, another book to read, yeah, it's there. Um, for anyone who is wanting to, to write their own story, I would say... Um, I would start by writing down what the things are that you love about stories you read. For me, I was I, I sat down and I started writing about what were the, my favorite parts about my favorite books, and it just started me gave me ideas about you know new plot ideas where you could go, how you could hit those great dramatic irony moments that that just make you smile and feel good inside. So um, that would be my my recommendation, and just do it because it's so easy now to, if you have a book idea and you write a book, to put it out there and just self-publish or, you know, find a traditional route. But, yeah, it's, it's you can do it. It's easy. Right. It can be. Well, you heard it from Karen, folks. You can do it. It's easy. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> What's really exciting about this episode, first time that I've ever done it, is now uh, we're going to say goodbye to Karen and we're going to transition into me reading the book, uh, which is, I've always wanted to get into audiobook narration and I'm honored that this is the first one I get to sort of uh, record and put out into the world. So uh, thank you for tuning in, listening to this interview. Enjoy the audiobook that's coming right now at you in podcast episode form. And then please visit the Amazon link and the link to Karen's website in the episode description to check out all the amazing children's literature that Karen is writing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Karen. Thank you for having me. Please, please enjoy the book, everyone.
Astrid's Dragon by Karen Christian, illustrated by Mary Murawski. Dedication for M, my tiny bibliophile. Chapter One. Princess Astrid and her brother Finn were playing in a field of bluebells when it happened. They never heard the dragon coming. In fact, they had no reason to fear a dragon at all. It had been years since anyone in their kingdom had even seen a dragon. At the time that it happened, Astrid and Finn were pretending to joust. That is, they were pretending to ride horses while they tried to knock each other down with sticks. Yelled Finn as he charged toward Astrid. Astrid stood still while he ran toward her. Only just at the last moment she stepped aside so that Finn tumbled to the ground instead of running into her. Jousting was a game that Astrid and Finn could play all afternoon. Most days, after their lessons were finished, the two of them would wander through the kingdom. They would fight battles in the fields, climb plum trees, and look for fairies in the forest. Astrid, being older, knew the best hideouts and secret places to take her brother. Being older, she also had the advantage in their jousting game. As Finn fell again into a patch of bluebells, he saw something dark fly across the corner of the sky. Did you see that? he asked. Up there in the sky? See what? asked Astrid, who thought he was just trying to distract her. There's nothing here except us, and I'm going to knock you down again. She jumped at him, this time knocking both of them to the ground. That was when they heard the sound. It was a sort of sizzling, crackling noise. It didn't sound like the type of noise you should hear in a field of bluebells. It sounded like danger. The two of them stood up at once. They looked across the field, but they didn't see anything. Finn shielded his eyes and looked into the sky, but it seemed empty. What is it? asked Astrid. What's that noise? They turned slowly to face the opposite side of the field, and that was when they noticed a cloud of black smoke. The field is on fire, cried Finn. How? asked Astrid, who was confused and frightened. What happened? I don't know. What do we do? cried Finn. Run! Astrid grabbed her brother's hand, and they took off across the field. Most of the time, neither of them were afraid of fire, but both Astrid and Finn knew that a fire in the wild was different. A wildfire was dangerous and unpredictable. On a windy day, it could travel quickly. They knew that they needed to get out fast. Come on, you can do this! Astrid tried to encourage Finn, but she was frightened too. She remembered that there was a river near the edge of the bluebell field. Astrid steered them toward it. If they could just make it to the river, she knew that they would be safe. We have to keep going! It didn't take them long before the smoke caught up with them and they started to feel the heat of the fire. 
It was then that Astrid and Finn broke past the field. They found themselves facing the river. We need to get across, cried Astrid, pulling Finn behind her. They didn't have time to find the stepping stones that they had used earlier that day to cross the river. Instead, they jumped into the river and waded through to the other side. The water was cold, but they barely noticed it. They climbed the bank of the river and stopped to catch their breath. We're safe now, said Astrid. The water will stop the fire. Astrid and Finn were wet and frightened, but they were safe. They walked more slowly now in the direction of home. Every so often, they turned to watch the fire as it burned out. Bit by bit, the fire was running low and losing strength. Had they kept watching, Astrid and Finn would have noticed a dark figure flying away from the fields. They might have even wondered what it could be. It was impossible, of course, but it looked almost exactly like the shape of a dragon. King Henrik and Queen Estelle sat together in their chambers. Queen Estelle worked quietly on her embroidery while King Henrik sharpened his swords. There were plenty of servants who could have sharpened the swords for him, but King Henrik preferred to do it himself. The metal made a satisfying scrape, scrape, scrape noise as he drew the swords across the sharpening stone. As he worked on each sword, he thought about the news of the kingdom. It looks like the gardens aren't doing very well this season, he said. The drought has been hard on the farmers. Hmm, said Queen Estelle. Of course, by the time the second harvest comes, we might be able to make that up. Ah, yes. Scrape, scrape, scrape. Sir Vincent told me that he's had more poaching on his land, the king continued. Mm-hmm, murmured the queen, focusing on her embroidery. He's had four more sheep missing this week. Scrape, scrape, scrape. At that moment, the door burst open and two royal children tumbled inside. The queen gasped and King Henrik stopped and stared at what he saw. Finn and Astrid no longer looked like the prince and princess they were. Instead, they looked like swamp creatures. They were covered in mud and bits of grass. Astrid's hair was undone and Finn was dripping water on the floor. Queen Estelle continued to stare with her mouth slightly open. What? What is this? asked King Henrik finally. There was a fire, said Finn. On the west side of the kingdom, by the bluebell field, and we jumped in a river that was we had to run away, right next to the fire, but we got away in time. Their words tumbled over each other as they tried to tell their parents what had happened. It took quite a while before they made sense to anyone. But we made it out, Astrid finished telling their story. The river stopped the fire from spreading. Did you see anyone else there? asked the king. No, it was just us playing in the field of bluebells. Well, thought Finn, I did see something out of the corner of my eye just before the fire started, but I'm not sure what it was. I thought you said you saw something in the sky, said Astrid. It was probably a bird. Hmm, 
The king was thoughtful. You said on the west side of the kingdom? Yes, said Astrid. Curious, near Sir Vincent's fields? We had to cross his fields on our way home, said Astrid. Curious, said the king again. What? What is it? asked Astrid. No, it's probably nothing. It's just that Sir Vincent has had some sheep go missing. There may be some poachers in the area. Astrid and Finn looked at each other. Is the fire still burning? asked their father. I don't think so, said Astrid. We saw it burning out after we passed the river. Thank goodness you both are okay, the queen said. Henrik, your questions can wait until these two have had a bath and a hot meal. I will send some riders that way to make sure the fire is out, said King Henrik. Children, come with me, said Queen Estelle. She led them to the washroom to clean up. Chapter 2 The next morning, Astrid decided to disobey her parents. Stay close today, her mother said. Keep inside the castle walls. At least until we know what started the fire, her fire father added. Astrid smiled and nodded, but she had absolutely no intention of staying home that day. Finn, she whispered to her brother after their parents were out of the room. Finn, who do you think started the fire? I don't know, he said. I bet it was robbers, she hissed. How could you know that? I just do, Astrid said. Maybe they're stealing the sheep too. Maybe it was just an accident, said Finn. That's boring. Father will figure it out, said Finn. He already sent people out the way to look. Astrid scoffed. His riders won't find anything. They're too nosy. They'll scare everyone away before they even get there. She was getting worked up now and was pacing the room. Don't you want to find out what happened? No, said Finn. I don't want to go back there. Come on, Finn, said Astrid. We've got to find out what's going on. No, besides, you promised you would stay inside today. Fine, said Astrid. Have it your way. We'll stay home and never learn what happened. She stormed out of the room. Astrid didn't like lying to her parents. She definitely didn't like lying to her brother, but she had to know what had happened. As far as Astrid was concerned, she was the only person who would be able to solve the mystery. And so Astrid left the castle. She filled her bag with a jug of water, three chicken legs, a rope, and a thin blanket. She waited until after lunchtime, and then she snuck out of the castle. No one heard the side door open and shut or saw her running across the garden. No one even noticed she had left the castle. Astrid hurried to the edge of the forest. She knew that once she was underneath the trees, she would be hidden. She didn't want anyone to notice her and make her come home. There was a dirt road that ran along the edge of the forest. Astrid planned to follow the road for as long as she could. Then she would cut across the land to find the field of bluebells from yesterday. It was important that no one saw her coming. Someone had set the field on fire on purpose and she wanted to sneak up on them. Astrid imagined herself discovering a band of robbers camped around a tent. She would spy on them and listen to what they were saying. Then she would run back home and tell her father everything. 
What if they were planning to attack the whole kingdom? Then she would be a hero. Her father would send knights to fight the men and make them leave. She imagined what it would be like to be a hero. Astrid crept forward and pretended she was sneaking up on a band of robbers. Of course, she had no way of knowing it was actually a dragon to blame for the fire. She had no way of knowing that it would in fact be a dragon that would sneak up on her. After she had been walking for some time, Astrid heard the sound of a horse coming toward her. The horse was riding fast. Astrid looked around for a place to hide, but most of the trees near her were thin and spindly. They wouldn't give enough cover. Up ahead, there was a large rock. If she ran, she might have enough time to hide before the rider came into view. Astrid jumped off the path and ran to the rock. She fell behind it just in time. She knelt down and hoped she wouldn't be seen. From her hiding spot, Astrid thought she caught a glimpse of Sir Vincent on the back of his horse. The rider had flown by quickly so she couldn't be sure. Still, it made her wonder. Why would Sir Vincent be in a hurry, she thought. Did it have to do with the burnt field? With his sheep? Did he know something? Astrid crawled out from behind her hiding spot. Now it was more important than ever that she get to know the field of bluebells. She wanted to know what was going on. She began to hurry. Before this, Astrid had been examining the forest for possible clues. Every snapped twig or broken branch was a piece of information. Now she practically ran down the forest road. She didn't stop to look for clues or keep a lookout for robbers. She tried to be stealthy, but most importantly, she tried to be fast. It didn't take long for her to reach the edge of the forest. From here, she had to leave the cover of the trees. The field of bluebells was still about a mile away, and she would have to walk across several of Sir Vincent's fields to get there. Astrid set out away from the forest, trying to be quiet and hoping that the tall grasses would keep her hidden. She had no way of knowing that one pair of eyes was already watching her. Once she neared the burnt field, Astrid began to slow down. At any moment, she expected to find a band of robbers hidden behind the next hill or grove of trees. Her heart began to race. She started to imagine that every small sound was a robber sneaking up on her. She kept turning around to make sure that no one was following her. Of course, if a robber had tried to sneak up on her, Astrid would have heard him easily. It's hard to keep a footstep quiet when you're walking on crispy, burnt grass. On the other hand, it is quite easy to sneak up on someone when you are coming from the sky. A predator's wings are silent. They have to be in order to sneak up on their prey. As Astrid searched the ground for clues, a dark form loomed above her. She never saw the dragon coming. She didn't hear it reaching for her or notice its shadow reaching hers. She didn't suspect a thing until she was being dragged out off the ground and into the air. Chapter three. Put me down, Astrid screamed at the dragon above her. She squirmed and pushed against the dragon's claws, but he held tightly to her. Astrid had never seen a dragon before, but she had heard plenty about them. There was a kingdom to their south that had a terrible dragon problem. Her uncle had visited once and he had come back with many stories. 
So when the dragon picked her up off the ground, it took her only a moment before she realized what it was. Astrid struggled against the dragon, but its grip was too tight. She couldn't reach her bag or even move her arms. She decided to save her strength and wait to make an escape once they landed. They did not fly long before the dragon began to dip down toward the river. He took her near an outcropping of rock next to the water. In the rock, there was a wide opening that led to a deep cave in the side of the hill. The dragon laid her down on the ledge of the rock and nudged her forward with his nose. Hello, he said. As soon as she was on the ground, Astrid stood up to run. She feigned to the right and ran towards the edge of the cave. The dragon blocked her with his nose and nudged her back into the cave. She ran to the right, and this time the dragon pushed her back with his wing. Then, to the left, she was nudged back again. This went on for a few minutes before Astrid ran out of breath and stopped to rest. Hello, the dragon said again. Let me go, shouted Astrid at the dragon. Oh no, I couldn't do that, said the dragon. You're my first princess. I am not your princess. Oh, but I found you first, said the dragon. My sister Arvis caught a princess once, but that was many years ago. I am not your princess, repeated Astrid. I'm Fafnir, said the dragon. It's an old family name. Who are you? The dragon waited for an answer, but Astrid refused to respond. Do princesses have names? I thought they would. Well, I will call you princess for now, at least. Astrid sat silently. This is great timing, really, the dragon continued. My mother is coming to visit. She'll be so surprised to find that I've already caught a princess. He beamed with pride. Astrid didn't want to hear about the dragon's mother. She wanted to go home. She looked around the cave, trying to think of how she could escape. There was a light coming from the opposite side of the cave. It was possible, she thought, that the light was coming from an opening in the rock. Maybe Astrid could find a way out from the back of the cave. She didn't think I was ready for this, you know. My mother thought I needed a few more years at home before I left. The dragon continued as though Astrid was listening. And now look at me with my very own princess. Now's my chance, thought Astrid. She bolted upright and ran as fast as she could to the other side of the cave toward the light. This time, the dragon didn't move to stop her. She ran as fast as she could, her heart racing. She just had to turn the corner and she would be able to see the source of light. She swung herself around and she came face to face with a stone wall. Up at the top of the corner of the rock was a small hole. It was about the size of her fist, no larger. This was the source of light coming into the cave. There was no escape. For the first time, Astrid felt hopeless. She sat down and started to cry. This wasn't at all what she had wanted. This wasn't supposed to happen. Other princesses got kidnapped by dragons. She was supposed to be the princess that saved the day, not the one that needed saving. If only she had listened to her parents. She would be home right now instead of stuck in this dreary, cold, dark cave. Astrid wiped her nose and looked up. The dragon had followed her into the cave. Please don't cry, he said nervously. It's really quite nice here once you get used to it. Astrid started to sob again. 
You wait, she said between tears. My parents are going to send their very fastest, bravest knights to look for me, and they, they are going to rescue me. She buried her head in her arms. Her shoulders rose up and down as she cried. Astrid thought about her parents. They would surely send a knight to rescue her, she thought. Right now, her mother would be sick with worry, but her father would be calm. He would be organizing the search party. They would know exactly what to do, and they would rescue her. They were coming. She knew it. At that moment in the castle, Queen Estelle and King Henrik sat down to eat dinner with their guest, Sir Vincent. Where is Astrid? asked King Henrik. She's usually on time for dinner. Oh, I saw her grab a few chicken legs earlier this afternoon, said Queen Estelle. She probably ate an early dinner on her own. Ah, uh, yes, said the king. You're probably right. I'm just glad she's home in the castle right now, said the queen. She nodded towards St. Vincent, especially after everything you have told us. Yes, said the king. It is good that our family is safe tonight. Chapter 4 When Astrid was a little girl, her mother used to leave her small treats next to her bed. Astrid would wake up and find a piece of candy. Sometime there would be a stone with a heart drawn on it. She loved the little gifts and would keep her treasures in a box under the bed. They were reminders of her mother's love for her. Now, far away from the castle, Astrid remembered her box of treasures. She imagined the joy of finding a surprise next to her pillow. Every part of her wished that she was home again. With her eyes closed, she pretended that she was waking up in her own warm bed and that her family was waiting to eat breakfast with her. But she knew that she was not home. She had slept on a cold floor the night before. Last night, the dragon had offered to warm her with his breath, but she had pulled her thin blanket over herself and stubbornly said no. Inside the cave now, Astrid could hear the dragon bustling about. She opened her eyes to see what he was doing. The first thing she saw was a bowl of plums next to her. For just a moment, her heart leapt. She had gotten her surprise after all. But no, she couldn't let the dragon see that he had made her happy. He was the enemy. She turned her smile into a glare. When the dragon saw that she was awake, he came over to her. Good morning, he said. Did you sleep well? Well, I was cold, Astrid complained. Well, I thought you might be hungry. That's why I brought you the plums. Do you eat plums? I don't actually know what people eat. He waited, but Astrid did not say anything. The dragon turned away and began to hum. He picked up a candle and lit it with fire from his breath. When he wasn't looking, Astrid picked up a plum and began to eat it. She was still upset, but that small, sweet plum melted her anger just the smallest amount. Later that evening, the dragon called Astrid to come to the opening of the cave. Princess, come quick! Astrid walked to the cave opening and squinted at the bright light from outside. Yes? she asked. Look! The dragon pointed to a tree branch below them. On the branch was a nest. Inside the nest was a handful of small blue eggs. Look, there's a family of birds. I mean, I don't know if you care about these things or not, but I thought it was kind of neat that I've seen eggs before. 
said Astrid coldly, turning to go inside. Oh, he said, disappointed. Well, it's just that I noticed that they're hatching. Astrid really wanted to stay indifferent, but the problem was that she had never actually seen a bird hatch before. She tried to act nonchalant while she peered over at the bird's nest. There was a crack in one of the eggs, and she could see that another one was starting to move. I always like to watch eggs hatch, said the dragon, settling down on the rock. It reminds me of when my brother and sister were born. You have a family? asked Astrid, surprised. Despite herself, she had started a conversation with the dragon. She sat down and dangled her legs over the edge of the rock. Yes, twelve older siblings and a younger brother and sister. And did I mention, my mother is coming to visit today. I'm sure she'll like you. The bird in the cracked egg broke through. Its tiny head poked out of the shell. It didn't take long before the pink bird started peeping for its mother. Oh, look, it hatched, said Astrid. He looks kind of ugly, though. The dragon agreed. They always are. He'll be cuter once he gets his feathers. He thought for a moment. Dragons, on the other hand, are adorable even as hatchlings. My mother always said that baby dragons were the most pleasant of babies. Astrid looked out from the opening of the cave. Down below in the distance, she could see the field of bluebells that had burned. It seemed like a million years since she and Finn had run from that fire, but had it only been two days ago. She wished that she could run home again. I have a mother too, you know, said Astrid, looking away from the dragon. She's probably wondering where I am right now. Hmm, I wonder where my mother is, said the dragon. She's probably on her way over here. Did you burn that field? asked Astrid suddenly, turning toward the dragon. Was that your fault? Uh, why do you ask? Because I was in that field with my brother when that happened. Was it you? Well, actually, I had a slight mishap the other day. I was trying to... You could have killed us, said Astrid. We could have been hurt. Why would you do that? She looked up at him, but this time the dragon didn't answer. Never mind. I just want to go home. Astrid stood up and walked back into the cave. She didn't feel like watching the eggs hatch anymore. Chapter 5 the dragon's mother arrived in the afternoon. She was covered in purple scales and was almost twice as large as her son. Her eyes were black and hard. When Astrid looked at her, she felt her skin prickle. There was something about this dragon that made her feel uneasy. Astrid decided to move further toward the back of the cave, away from this new dragon. Even though she could not see them from the back of the cave, she could still hear the two dragons talking. What were you thinking? asked the dragon's mother. You brought a princess back here. But I thought that. No, that's the problem. You didn't think, she snarled. Do you know what will come next? No, said the dragon meekly. Knights, are you ready to fight tonight? Well, maybe. No, no, you are not. Take a look at this cave, she shrieked. Do you... Do you like what I've done with the cave? No, said the dragon's mother. There's no way to defend it. You'll be trapped in here when the knights come. 
Did you notice the candlesticks? Asked the dragon. I don't care about candlesticks. But, but I decorated, protested the dragon. Fafnir, you are not ready to be on your own. I was right. You need to come back with me right now. But, but I don't want to go. You are not ready for this. Astrid was glad that she had moved to the back of the cave. The dragon's mother seemed even scarier when she was angry. And look at the princess that you found. She's just a little girl. At least your sister Arvis called a princess. She was full grown. My princess is perfect, said the dragon. Astrid began to listen just a little harder now that they were talking about her. She cupped her hand around her ear and leaned forward. Oh, yes, said his mother. Does she do all of your cooking for you? Does she polish your jewels? Does she shine your scales? Because I do not think she is perfect. No, the dragon yelled back. No, she does not, and I would make her either. After a moment, he added, I want her to be my friend. Friend, scoffed the dragon's mother. She isn't your friend if you have to force her to stay here. Friend, thought Astrid. That seemed a strange word. Then again, maybe the dragon had tried to be nice to her. He had offered to warm her last night, and he had brought her a bowl of plums. But still, he had captured her. That's a strange thing for a friend to do. The dragons kept arguing on the other side of the cave. It seemed to Astrid they were both getting louder and louder. Both dragons were very angry now. It always made Astrid nervous to hear other people fighting. With the two dragons, she was even more uneasy. She didn't know what the dragons would do when they were upset. Would they breathe fire? Would she be safe? She wished even more that she was home. After a while longer, Astrid heard the dragon mother leave. It didn't sound like she was planning to come back. Then it was quiet in the cave. Astrid breathed a sigh of relief. Still, she didn't want to move from where she was hidden. She didn't want to be found just yet. Astrid picked up another plum and waited for something to happen. More time passed and the dragon began to call for her. Astrid could only barely hear what the dragon was saying. Princess, he called. Astrid decided to go to him. She grabbed a candle and walked through the cave until she found him. Yes, she said. The dragon was lying with its nose tucked under a wing. He seemed sad. Princess. He said, what is your name? What is your real name? Astrid, said Astrid. Hello, Astrid, said the dragon. Hello, Fafnir, said the princess. The dragon waited a long time before he said anything. The rest of my family lives in a different kingdom, he said. I grew up a long ways from here. Do you know why I came here? Why did you come here? asked Astrid. I wanted to find people that had never met a dragon before. Why is that? People in other parts of the world already know what dragons are like, but I didn't want to be like the rest of my family. They're mean and they're always fighting with people. Fafnir took his nose out from under his wing. But I think I like you. You seem kind and I don't want to fight knights. I don't want to fight anyone. Astrid didn't know what to say. This was the first dragon she had ever met, and he wasn't what she had expected. I'm sorry, said Fafnir. I know I should not have taken you. I know that you miss your home and your family. 
Yes, said Astrid, my family is probably worried about me. I made a mess of everything, said Fafnir. My mother's angry with me, you're afraid of me, I just wanted everyone to like me. Astrid began to feel the smallest bit sorry for this dragon. Everyone makes mistakes, she said, which was something that her mother told her often. What's important that is that you fix them. Astrid, said Fafnir, I want to fix this mistake. He turned to look at her. You can go home. Please don't be angry with me. Thank you, Fafnir, thank you. She ran and gave the dragon a hug. Then she grabbed her bag and turned to go. You are kind, she said. Maybe someday we'll meet again. Maybe we'll even be friends. She turned and scrambled down the side of the rock. Daylight was fading, and she would have to hurry if she wanted to be home before night. Chapter 6 It turned out that Astrid was further from home than she had realized. She was in a part of the kingdom that she did not know well. She thought at first that she could follow the river back to the field of bluebells, but it winded and twisted in so many directions that she began to think that she had gone the wrong way. It was also getting dark quickly. Astrid found herself stumbling on the path. She scraped the palm of her hand and tore her skirt after tripping over a log. Never mind, she thought. If I need to, I can camp here for the night and then I can find my way back in the morning. She began to look for a place to camp before it was completely dark. As the sun set, the sky turned from blue to purple to black. It was especially dark that night because the stars were covered by clouds. As Astrid looked into the sky, she noticed a strange wispy cloud that wasn't a cloud at all. It was smoke coming up from the ground. At first she panicked, a forest fire, she thought, but no. When she had looked closer, she noticed that the smoke was coming from a campfire. A campfire, she thought, a campfire means people. She began to move in that direction. Maybe they would be able to help her. As she neared the camp, Astrid could hear men talking before she saw any faces. Even a far ways out, their voices carried over the river. Are we really ready for this? Asked one man. The other group will be there to help us. And this is what we've been training for, said another man. Astrid heard a scrape, scrape, scrape sound that she recognized well. It was the sound of a sword being sharpened. What if we don't find the princess? The princess, thought Astrid. They were talking about her. Her heart leapt inside her. They are here to rescue me. She was just about to call out to the men when she heard one more thing. It doesn't matter. We still kill the dragon. Those are the king's orders. Astrid, stop. Kill the dragon. Kill Fafnir. The other group should already be in position. We will drive him out of the cave together. The cave? Out Astrid, they already know where he is. This was terrible. She didn't want them to kill Fafnir. Yes, he had captured her, but he was good inside. She could tell. And he had let her go. He was trying to make up for his mistake. Astrid sat on the ground. She didn't know what to do. She could go talk to the men, but would they even listen to her? They were there on the king's orders. And then there was the issue of the second group of knights. Even if she was able to convince this group of knights not to fight the dragon, there wasn't enough time to find both camps before morning. How would she keep Fafnir safe? The dragon mother was right. Inside his cave, Fafnir had nowhere to go if he was attacked. There was no back exit. If those men attacked him, he wouldn't stand a chance. 
In the end, there was really only one thing left to do. She had to go back to Mornfathnir. Before morning, she had to go back through the river and to the cave. She would find him and warn him. Somehow, together, they would think of a way to save Fafnir. Astrid stood at the entrance to the cave. It had only been a few hours since she had left, and yet everything felt different. This time, she was entering the cave on her own. She wasn't there as a captive. She was there to save Fafnir. Astrid followed the sound of dragon snores to the back of the cave. There, she found Fafnir asleep. He was curled into a tight circle with his wings flattened against his back. She wondered how best to wake him. Fafnir? She asked cautiously. He seemed deeply asleep and she didn't want to startle him. Astrid came closer to him and put her hand on his body. It was warm and moved slowly up and down. Fafnir? She said a little louder. The dragon coughed out a small flame and opened his eyes. Astrid leapt back away from the fire. Oh, he said as soon as he noticed her. I'm sorry, I wasn't expecting you. Is everything all right? Fafnir looked disoriented. He turned around as though to see if there was someone behind him. What are you doing here? He asked. As best she could, Astrid explained what had happened to her after she had left the cave. She told him about the knights she had found and what they had said. She wanted him to know that he was in danger and that he needed to leave right away. The more she said, the wider Fafnir's eyes got. Fafnir, you have got to get out of here, Astrid said. The sun will be up soon. You have to go. But where can I go? I don't want to fight. I don't want to hurt anyone. Fafnir was upset and he didn't know what to do. Can you go back to your family? Asked Astrid. Fafnir thought about it. I need to find a way to do this on my own, he said. I have another idea then, said Astrid. She opened her bag and took out the rope she had packed. I don't know if you'll like it, but I think it will work. Chapter 7 The king and queen sat next to each other in bed. It was early morning and neither had slept much. Do you think Astrid is okay? asked Queen Estelle. The king took her hand in his. Wherever she is, my knights will find her. They will bring her home. I promise you we will see her today. What if Sir Vincent was wrong? The queen asked. We've never seen a dragon in this part of the kingdom before. I trust him, said King Henrik. If he says he knows where the dragon is, I believe him. Either way, our knights are going out looking for Astrid. They are going to find her. I hope so. Now, said the king, standing up and stretching, it's too early to hear news from anyone, but I want to be ready. He walked to the sink and began to splash water on his face. It was that moment that Finn pounded on the door. The dragon is here, he yelled. It's coming. Queen Estelle scrambled out of bed and opened the door for her son. Meanwhile, King Henrik fumbled with the soap and got some in his eyes. The dragon is here, said Queen Estelle. She took her husband by the hand and dragged him toward the window. She thrust it open and looked outside. There in the distance was a foreign moving toward them. Ow, ow, said King Henrik, whose eyes stung from the soap. Do you see him? Is he there? I think I see him, said Queen Estelle. She squinted in the morning sun. There's something flying toward us. Guards, shouted King Henrik. Finn, go find my guards. Tell them to bring the dragon down. No, Finn, wait, said the queen. Henrik, do you see anything funny about the dragon? I can't see anything. I've got this blasted soap in my eyes. <laughs> said the king, rubbing his sleeve over his eyes. Henrik, I think there's someone on top of the dragon. What? I can't see anything, said the king. I... 
Henrik, I think there's someone on top of the dragon. What? What's going on? said the king. I can't see anything. There's someone riding on the dragon, she repeated. Finn, shouted Henrik, go find my guards. Tell them not to hurt the dragon. Yes, sir. Finn ran out of the room to deliver the message. Henrik, said Queen Estelle, the knights were supposed to kill the dragon. They weren't supposed to bring him back here. I wish I knew what was going on. I don't know and I can't do a thing until I get this soap out of my eyes. He turned and went back to the sink to rinse out his eyes. In the meantime, Queen Estelle watched the dragon as it flew closer and closer to the castle. Estelle, called the king, will you bring me my sword? I want to be prepared to meet the dragon. Of course. She left the window and went to help the king get ready. Just a few minutes later, the king and queen were dressed and outside. Their archers were in place behind them. The castle was ready. From his position, the king could see the dragon approaching. However, with the sun coming from behind, it was hard to tell which knight was riding him. King Henrik didn't know what was going to happen. It was possible that there might be a battle, and he tried to steal himself for whatever might come next. Whatever happened, it would be worth it, as long as he could hold his daughter again. As it happened, no one was really prepared for what they saw when the dragon landed. Riding on top of the dragon was not a knight at all, but a princess. Astrid, said the king, astonished, what are you doing here? What? spluttered the queen. Astrid, are you okay? Come here. She opened her arms and waited for Astrid to run to her, but Astrid stayed in place. She protected Fafnir with her body. I'm all right, she cried out. I'm okay, but before I do anything, you have to promise me that you won't hurt him. She motioned to Fafnir behind her. Astrid, don't be silly, said her father. Step away from the dragon. No, said Astrid. Listen to me. This dragon, his name is Fafnir, and he doesn't want to hurt anyone. Astrid, listen to your father, pleaded the queen. Please, come away from the dragon. Mother, said Astrid, I am fine. Just promise me that you won't hurt Fafnir. Let my daughter go, bellowed the king. There are 100 arrows pointed at you at this very moment. If you do not go let her go, we will shoot you. Astrid, you can't protect me forever, said Fafnir. And he nudged her toward her parents with his nose. King Henrik, Queen Estelle, said Fafnir, addressing Astrid's parents. I was wrong, Fafnir fidgeted. I took your daughter from you, and I am sorry. He hung his head as he talked. I am sorry, and I am bringing her back to you now. I hope you can forgive me. The king and queen looked at each other, bewildered. This was not the behavior they had expected from a dragon. That's not all, said Astrid. Fafnir has promised to protect our kingdom. He wants to defend us for as long as you let him stay. Why would we trust a dragon to defend our kingdom? asked the king. Because I will vouch for him, said Princess Astrid, and because he is good. He is not like other dragons. Sir, said Fafnir, you don't have any reason to trust me, except that I am talking with you right now instead of fighting the knights that you sent to kill me. King Henrik hesitated. He had prepared himself to fight and to do battle if necessary. He hadn't prepared himself for this. Mother, said Astrid. You've always told me that it's okay to make a mistake as long as you try to fix it afterward. Fafnir is just trying to fix his mistake. Wise words, said Queen Estelle, looking at her young daughter. It's good to know that you've been listening to me. Astrid, 
said the king, more kindly now. Are you really, truly all right? We have been so worried. I'm fine, said Astrid. Then today we shall make history. Fafnir, I will consider your request. A dragon would be a powerful ally. Today, with my advisors, we will discuss your offer. Until then, no one is to harm the dragon. Astrid smiled and hugged her father. Thank you, father, she whispered. Chapter 8 that afternoon, Finn and Astrid sat in the courtyard making daisy chains. Their mother had forbid them from leaving the castle grounds, but for once, Astrid didn't mind staying home for the day. As far as she was concerned, home was the best place in the world. Astrid was surrounded by her family and everyone she loved. It was good to be home. What was it like? asked Finn. Were you scared of the dragon? Yes, she said. Of course I was scared, and I wanted to go home. Next time, I'll just have to be a goody two-shoes like you and do what I'm told to do. She jabbed her brother playfully on the arm. I am not a goody two-shoes, complained Finn. He pushed back. Sure you are. You do everything that Mother tells you to do, Astrid taunted. Finn struck back by trying to wrestle her to the ground. He pushed as hard as he could, but Astrid was stronger than him. As they wrestled, they were joined by a third figure. The dragon circled above them in the courtyard. He called down to them from above. Princess Astrid, Fafnir said jokingly, do I need to defend you against this knave? Fafnir, cried Astrid, this is just my brother, Finn. Oof, she pushed Finn off of her. Hello, said Finn, suddenly nervous at seeing the dragon. Fafnir, meet my brother. Finn, meet my dragon. She introduced them. Hello, said Fafnir, landing next to them. It's always nice to meet a new person. Did you know, you are one of only eight people that I have ever met before. And most of those were people I met today. He thought for a moment. Well, there was one more person I saw back home, but he ran away from me, so I didn't really get a chance to introduce myself. Hey, Fafnir, said Astrid, would you be willing to give Finn a ride? Astrid, said Finn, we're not supposed to leave the castle. All right, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, said Astrid, I think you're just afraid. I'm not, said Finn, then give it a try. We can stay in the courtyard if you like, said Fafnir. I would like to stay in the Queen's good graces. Really, said Finn, he looked just a little bit hopeful. Of course, be careful not to step on my wings. Finn climbed on the back of the dragon and clung tightly around his neck. This is the coolest thing ever, he exclaimed as Fafnir took off. I can't wait to tell all my friends that I actually rode a dragon. Astrid watched her brother, smiling and laughing as he circled low above the courtyard. For just a moment, she thought about how good it was to be home and to smile again. She had a feeling that in time, Fafnir would become a good friend. He seemed like just the sort of dragon to take along on an adventure. The 